We're bringing you all you need to succeed in the real estate business. It's Spilling the LT, brought to you by Lawyer's Title, telling you what it's really like to work in real estate. Welcome back to another episode of Spilling the L Team. I am your host, Tamara Gady, with Lawyer's Title here in Frisco, Texas. And I have with me today two of uh, my favorite people on the planet, Stacey Feltman. Uh, she is with the Stacey Feltman Group at Ebby Holiday Realtors. She is a top producer for the entire brokerage. And I have been, she's been one of my valued clients and friends uh, for several years now. So welcome, Stacey. Thank, Thank you for coming you. today. And I also have with me John Yakos. He is with the John Yakos team at Supreme Lending. He's also one of our valued partners and I wanted him to come in today and help also have a great market discussion and that's what we're going to do today, right? Looking forward to it. Let's talk about the market. <laughs> Ready. <laughs> Let's talk about the market. Okay, so uh, I wanted to start and I usually don't like to carry paper with me, but um, I had an article that I wanted to quote really quickly and it'll just kind of jump things off for us today, okay? Monthly home value growth has slowed from its record-breaking pace this summer. Inventory is up for the fourth month in a row and more sellers are cutting their list price. This all points to less competition for home shoppers, but make no mistake, the housing market remain, remains clearly tilted in the favor of seller, uh, sellers. And this is a quote from an, an economist at Zillow named Jeff Tucker. And then also we've seen articles start to come out for appreciation value predictions for next year. And the one that I saw for DFW was a projected um, appreciation of 21% and then Austin 36%. Wow. Mm -hmm. I think that came out of the Dallas Business Journal, if mm -hmm. I'm correct. Uh, so it's local, obviously, yep. information that we're getting, and it's not some national news group that might just be looking at us uh, as an outlier. But no, that's a local group, and I'm not sure where they got their information from, but I'm looking at the same data. Well, don't we uh, all have a crystal ball? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I don't think any of us can really put a finger on what the actual percent will be and what actually will happen, but I think as a, just a general understanding, you don't need to have an economics degree or work for Zillow or whatever it is. As long as we have more people moving here than we have leaving, you're going to see appreciation go up because you're looking at a finite resource which in this conversation is the housing market. And so there's X amount of houses that are available for Y amount of people that are coming here. And so as long as that is tilted in our favor with more folks coming here, I think we're going to be in a pretty good market. I agree. Stacey, anything to and kind of throw in there? COVID actually helped. So mm -hmm. we had the East and West Coast people mm -hmm. that their kids couldn't go to school. We have a lot of workers that are working out of their house now and they saw Texas open up. So mm -hmm. with the, you know, no state income tax and everything like that and the good weather, more months out of the year than these other places, they're all relocating here. Mm -hmm. Well, let's back up a second. Yep. Let's talk about today, right? So we've seen a bubble, a market bubble this whole summer. Did sellers miss the bubble? No. That's my opinion. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm aligned as well. I don't think sellers have missed it. You might see some stuff on Zillow or whatever you utilize online for yeah. your home searching or if through your realtor as well, where you have price reductions. We also need to take a look at what the initial list was. Mm -hmm. I mean, if this was a seller that was just shooting for the moon to see if they could get it, well, then that's probably not a very good sample serving to take a look at with the reduction. So they might be just coming back down to what par or what average would be. So I'd say we just needed to start taking a look at those things. We're also in the period of the year, historically speaking, last year was an anomaly mm -hmm. where folks don't want to move. And so there's right. not as many buyers that are trying to get into a home over the holidays. I know if I'm a seller, that's great if somebody wants to buy it over the winter, but I'm not going to have the same amount of buyers I'm going to have in the spring and the summer. So you are going to have a little bit of a reduction, just naturally speaking. And that's not just this year. You can look back for decades. Mm -hmm. Historically speaking, 
week in November, we're kind of cooling off. December, nobody really wants to move. January is dead, and then February we start picking up again for the spring season. Mm -hmm. Well, with my group, December is actually a huge month oh, because fair enough. people are relocating <laughs> to get their kids into school yeah. in January, yeah. you know, in between after the holidays and everything. Um, so you brought up Zillow. So what happened with Zillow, all their listings are price reducing right now and price adjusting. They went in, they bought it, the iBuyer system, you know, six months ago, did subpar repairs or mm -hmm. updates, and then jacked up the price. So now they're selling for a loss of mm -hmm. what they did and why they're leaving the marketplace right What's now. What's that gonna do for inventory here? <laughs> so Anything? We're, we're, we're gonna have, Potentially buyers, you know, right now our sellers, you know, are listing where the market deems necessary um, instead of 20 offers on the table. We're having you maybe 8 to 10 um, instead of 10 to 20 percent over. We're having, you know, 2 to 8 percent over. So the, the market has changed, but it's a great market. Mm -hmm. With the Zillow and talking about the local piece, mm -hmm. I, I don't think anybody can frame that just yet because we don't know what the exposure mm -hmm. is here locally. At least they haven't produced it. I know nationwide there are about 7,000 homes that they're selling off. They're writing down about a half a billion dollars on that debt. It's incredible. It's a huge mm -hmm. And it's been all over the real yeah. estate news yeah. right yeah. now is, I, is Zillow pulling right. out of the iBuyer program and their, their losses and that law. they're going to be taking because yeah. of it. Correct. And I think their model, and again, I'm not inside Zillow, but I think from at least what I read on Bloomberg is that they're looking for institutional investors. So retail investor, i.e. the local buyer here that's buying primary residence, probably not going to be getting those directly from Zillow. So I think Zillow is going to be going institutional where they'll buy bricks and by yep. whoever the investor is, will buy blocks and bricks of these houses and then sell them uh, to the retail investor. Well, downstream. and that's the predictions for the forbearance mm -hmm. properties too. Yep. Uh, when those finally come available is that they're not going to be available to the individual buyer, that they're mm -hmm. going to be bought up by REITs and institutional investors mm -hmm. and we'll never see them hit the local market. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think you're spot on with that. I think that's exactly what we're talking about. They could also turn into long-term rentals, and so they just wouldn't even be for sale. No. Bad for investors. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Although I did contract on a house, so let's another investment property. Yeah. Perfect. You know, it's very difficult in this market right now to find things like that. I mean, I've just kind of hung up my hat. I, I, I try something, try it when it comes through, and you take the loss on the option and the, you mm -hmm. know, inspection fee, you know, inspection and all of that because it's not whatever, for whatever reason, it hasn't worked out. But that's been a really big deal. I mean, not just buyers can't buy houses, but investors can't buy houses. Right. And it's such a great time for an investor to have a house because of the rental, rental market rates. <laughs> but you can't have one without the other right, right. so um, that was one thing that we've talked about a lot too are the the skyrocketing rental rates mm -hmm. lo here locally and that you know a lot of renters are having to get into properties apartments or houses or whatever it is and they're paying way more than they would ever pay for their mortgage payment mm -hmm. and so this market has just been so aggressive for so for so many veins of the business, right? We're having so, multiple offers on rentals. I 
had a hundred applications. Oh yeah, and on I one mean, of mine. they're going over list price. So our list price is now suggested list price, and that came <laughs> from <laughs> yeah. I mean, this is the base yeah. where we're going to start now. And, and we say that all the time. We're going to list your property here, but that's just a suggested list, yep. mm -hmm. you know. And that's what rentals are too. Mm -hmm. I mean, they're going huge over. They are going mm -hmm. huge mm -hmm. over. That's yeah. why I want more. Yeah, sure. and, and none of our investors when they take a tenant they used to want the two to three year tenant mm -hmm. now we don't want that we just want a one-year lease because the market could change again well and with COVID's restrictions still in place yeah I mean, i've got a lot of investor friends that are only doing month-to-month -month leases right now mm -hmm. because they can't get people out right yeah. if they stop paying their rent right um, yeah and i've gone through that i've got a small portfolio of rentals so we've got some uh, affordable housing up in kansas city and two fourplexes and then we've also got some single family properties down here and the fourplexes were the ones that were not performing as well uh, but the way i was able to navigate that is to your point with the eviction moratorium that was going on uh, last year through this year I mean, if somebody makes the business decision not to pay, I have no recourse. Mm -hmm. So the way that you're able to work with the existing understanding of what that guidance is, is that if they go past when their lease date expires, then you can go after them for breach of contract. Mm -hmm. Not to say that you're gonna be made whole, but you can at least get the person out. Yeah. And so you can get somebody back in paying and then obviously make yourself whole again. Uh, but it's a very long drawn out process for sure. So when I hear about rent rates going up, I'm totally fine because I had some folks that were making a business decision last year where their rent was zero for X amount of months. So yes, I'm okay. The business decision. Yes. That's, and that's what we call that. The business decision. <laughs> well, you know what? I don't think John's getting his money on the first this yeah. month. And we're going to go with that. Uh, but either way. So, yeah, no, I, I hear you on that. And rental, I think that's a great opportunity just to kind of go back to what we talked about with the appreciation in this market where you have folks that can't buy a first-time homebuyer home anymore, which is 200 and 250, generally speaking, at least for my clients, mm -hmm. because it doesn't exist. Mm -hmm. And so they have to get into these rentals because they can't afford it. And we were talking before the show about having co-signers come on to the loan. So now you've got mom and dad or grandparents coming on to the loan to help out that first-time homebuyer, either cover their debt-to-income ratio or come with a family gift so they can buy the house. Well, let's jump into buyers. So... Yeah. You know, our buyers winning, I mean, our first-time home buyers winning offers, our veterans winning with their VA loans again, are we seeing those kind of transactions getting accepted? I had a client who said that he was able to win two, with two VA offers in the last couple of weeks. Mm -hmm. I think that's a great sign of things maybe freeing up a little bit, right? Mm -hmm. um, we have to be very careful here. We want Texans to be able to buy houses in Texas, and Correct. we want first-time home buyers to have an opportunity to get into a home and start a family. And some of this crazy, these crazy market conditions haven't really allowed for that. So let's talk about creative ways that you guys, both of you, are mm -hmm. helping buyers get into homes. Stacy, you want to start with? So we, we, we've... Um done VAs and FHA through the whole entire market conditions. And you're probably going to add into this, but, um, you know, you can't do appraisal waivers um, with an FHA or VA. So that's where they thought they had to leave the market. But if they have cash flow, we can change the third party financing condition mm -hmm. and show them a lot of agents don't understand that, and so when we're submitting the offers, we're having to tell them, okay, we can't do an appraisal waiver, but if you look at the third-party financing, it's under what we're offering. So, you know, we just have to, you know, 
buffer it through that. Mm -hmm. And you probably have different programs. Yeah, yeah, very similar to that. And so at least in the state of Texas, in the third party financing addendum under paragraph four, a lot of real estate agents, and just to kind of capture your point on that, just don't have the education. And same thing with lenders, some just don't understand it, mm -hmm. is that we can still go forward and offer above what the list price is to be competitive. Because that's what basically a lot of folks were running into, which is exactly mm -hmm. what you were talking about. The seller just says, no, I don't want to do this because yeah, your offer is great, but it's above my list and I don't think it's going to appraise. So we're going to go with this conventional loan over here, which is a little below yours, but they've got the, the ability to waive this, the appraisal on it. So in paragraph four in the third party financing, and just to capture it all, let's say that if we're selling a house for a hundred grand and we're going in at 105, there's that $5,000 delta there. So purchase price 105, but then in the financing addendum, you just say it has to at least appraise for what you listed for, which is a hundred grand. Mm -hmm. And you're totally fine. Yep. You complement that with a proof of funds for at least the five thousand then yeah it's totally fine there's no issues with that at all it's just a matter of educating people and so when we've got an fha or va uh then i'm working with the buyer's uh agent i always call the listing agent just to make sure we understand because a lot of folks the second they see a government back loan hard stop for them so let's talk through it very well qualified and here's how we're going to do this and you know if you can make your client i.e the seller an additional 10 grand why would you not do that I Frankly, I would fire you if you were listing my house and turned down a higher offer because you didn't understand. Mm -hmm. So, is that winning offers? Yes. You know, because cash is king, right? No. So our cash is not now. Well, it, it is, but on all my listings, I'll tell you, I have cash offers. I have conventional FHA, VA, um, a lot of the loan programs. My sellers are actually taking the loan programs over the cash offers. Tell me why. Um, so you know, they they think because they're cash there you know can not go in as high or lower than list price but um on all of our offers with our listings we call out to the lender first thing you know monday morning before we execute and we learn about you know their capability financially you know what they have and that's why it's so important to be close with the lenders and everyone in this process of accepting contracts and everything. So when you're working, or one of your team mm -hmm. members is working with a listing agent yes. that's less experienced, mm -hmm. that doesn't necessarily understand what this means, mm -hmm. how are you working with that listing agent to ed we do. You we educate. <laughs> you have to be careful, right? Because some people aren't receptive to right. education. Right. <laughs> mm -hmm. So, is it? Are you having? Uh, positive conversations with yes. listing agents about what this actually looks like when they're leveraging financing. Well, I'll tell you the number one thing in this crazy market right now is if I don't hear from an agent and I'm just getting an email of a contract, no communication, that's like a red flag to me and the sellers, you know? So I tell my team and everything, make contact with those listing agents, explain the situation of the third party financing to what you're doing, because it's not just about what's in paragraph three mm -hmm. of what you're offering. It's the other terms within, you know, are we doing courtesy leaseback? This is how much that is. Mm -hmm. So, you know, they don't think of those things or we're waiving, you know, a home warranty. We're as the buyers paying for title. I mean, we just did a contract the other day and they said, well, how much is title? And I was like, oh, my word. I'm like, it is forty three hundred and eighty six cents. And, but, you know, yeah. so they need to know that. Mm -hmm. So it's not about just 
what's in paragraph three is offer price. Mm -hmm. Well, and we've we've talked about that before, buyers understanding terms of the contract, mm -hmm. right? Because now with this new HOA addendum, yes. you know, that's 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 capturing a lot of fees, potential fees that buyers haven't necessarily paid before. Mm -hmm. And so that brings a whole new expense into the closing costs, right? Along with what the title policy costs and the fact they're not getting a home warranty and sure. you know, all of the, and how much money you're having to put down or to compete or whatever it is. And so those right. conversations about what those terms actually mean as far as what you're going to be looking at for closing costs are, are really important. Absolutely. So we do a spreadsheet just so they know all those terms. Okay. Because, I mean, the HOA, you, you put on it 100% and not explain it to your buyer. Ooh, that, that could be a big expense depending on what subdivision mm -hmm. in what city. It Especially new construction. New yeah. construction can come with some serious costs on HOA because they're starting the HOA. There's no escrow account that they've already got primed. Mm -hmm. So you as the first time home buyer or new buyer, I guess, in this community can be $1,200, $2,000, just depending on what the community is. Well, and it's the line in the tall grass. You have no idea what that is because if you don't read the paperwork on the front end, which is what you're talking about, well, gee whiz, here comes the settlement <laughs> statement. And that's a problem. And I'm usually the first one that gets the blame assignment as the lender. because I usually that charge yeah. for? Well, did you see me on your HOA council? The answer is no. Right. I did not put this together. I'm just merely the messenger, so feel free to kill the messenger. Oh, I've right. been dead 10 times today, let alone you know, historically. But uh, yeah, so to your point, the HOA stuff does add up. Uh, and if you've got somebody that's pretty tight on their, uh, basically on their money um, mm. at closing, that could be a problem. Well, and congratulations to Trek for mm -hmm. not only putting this into place, but also starting a list of HOA um, communities on their website, well, along with the fees associated with it. So now yes. it's publicly disclosed knowledge, and there's one place that you can go to. I think it's rolling out in December, if I'm not mistaken, mm -hmm. is when they're, or January is when they're going to yeah. start publishing mm -hmm. that list. Um, but the new thing, you know, the newest thing right after that was the PID addendum, right? PID, MUD, SUD, yeah. PUD. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so that was another thing that they put into place is this new PID addendum. So there's a disclosure needed, mm -hmm. right? If you're living in a PID, I live in a PID. Yeah. Um, and I can tell you there's a lot of confusion about it. And I'm not necessarily, I'm not going to throw my builder reps under the bus. But at the same time, I don't know that they're all disclosing this to the buyer. And if they are, I'm not sure that the buyer really understands what it means. Okay. Right. And so we have a neighborhood Facebook group and you always know who the newbies are because it's like nobody told me this line of water bill was going to be so high. Right. <laughs> you know, who has a cleaning person? <laughs> and, yep. and oh my good grief, nobody told me what is a pit. And mm -hmm. so let's talk about that. You know, let's talk about what, what it actually looks like to the buyer over the life of, well, it's a 25-year spread, I believe, is what it is. Generally in the 20s, to your point, but yeah, yeah. something like that. So as a lender, I cringe when I start hearing stuff from the agent that's going, hey, we might be on our contract on 123 Elm Street, and then we look it up, and there's a pit on top of an HOA, on top of the standard property taxes. So for somebody, especially first-time home buyers that are already tight on their debt-to-income ratios, mm -hmm. which we use in the lending in industry for qualification, that can certainly push them over the top. And now when they were qualified in County X, they're no longer qualified for that same loan in County Y because of all the things that we've already mentioned on that. Mm -hmm. And that's a problem, but nobody likes to hear that from me. Well, John, you said that we were qualified at 250. Well, yeah, based on this payment that we talked about, this. Mm -hmm. 
same loan has this payment now because of all these things that we were, were talking about. And it's a problem uh, if you're not educated going into it and understanding your numbers. So that's why it's a team effort. You know, we kind of talked about this slightly earlier, yep. is that the realtor and the lender have to be on the same page. And Absolutely. so if the lender is not producing a cost estimate, anybody can get on their phone and get like with a rocket mortgage and have a pre-approval letter or conditional approval letter in three to five minutes. That doesn't mean that the buyer knows what they're doing. They just have a piece of paper with their name on it that says they can buy a house up to half a million or whatever it is. That doesn't mean they understand what the payment is or the cash to close. So that's why at least at Supreme and on our team, we do cost estimate analysis up front based on a particular area. And we make sure that the realtor is aware of that as well. So here's our numbers. So if HOA is above whatever we have in our estimate, we just need to talk about it again. Nobody's saying no. We just need to talk about it again to make sure that we're all on the same page. And you as a realtor uh, get the deal done. We as the bank obviously can give them the financing that we committed to up front. And we don't like to go back on our word, which is why we're very deliberate about the process at the beginning. Well, and we've, we were talking about contract termination. So Stacey, I'm gonna, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I'm gonna bounce this one over to you. You know, we're seeing a very aggressive amount of contract terminations. Mm -hmm. And we talked about your partnerships, yeah. right? Your partnerships with people in the business are gonna help make sure your clients get to the closing Absolutely. table. So why don't you expand on that for us a little bit? So um, dealing with kids, so as a listing agent or a buyer's agent, that has to be disclosed right up front with the listings. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if a buyer all of a sudden doesn't get that PID information, that is a termination clause because it could affect. So as a listing agent side, I like to have actually my pre-approvals from the buyers coming to my listing with the address. So you as a lender, you know, knows and does their research. Smart. So, you know, mm -hmm. I, I look at that as a listing agent. So, you know, terminations one to four are falling out. I think it's because What's happening is the buyers are going in and they're making three to four offers on a house because they just want one under contract. So if two accepts them, they accept one and they terminate on another. Um, you know, we, we have buyers that, you know, are overpaying, getting scared, talking to their lender the next day and saying, oh my word, can I afford this? And maybe something comes out on the lending side. There's different ways for, you know, terminations to happen. Um, that's why we like to make sure we have a concierge with our boutique of Stacey Feltman Group with lenders checking to make sure they're financially capable to going to you and saying, okay, how, what's the HOA on this? You know, pull up the title commitment, give them the title commitment right away. We work all together in all aspects to get our clients. That's what we all are here for. Mm -hmm. Get and to the closing table. And as a team, we might not like each other on the team, but we're all <laughs> at least a team going for the same end zone. Exactly. Well, I can't tell you time and time and time again, I'm hearing about these lenders that aren't local, right? right? And the problems that come along with using a lender that isn't local. And everybody, all the buyers, they're looking at the rate. That's yep. all they're looking at is the rate. And how, what, what is 0.03% difference of a rate equate to in right. dollars on the mortgage payment if you can't even get to the closing table? Correct. Yeah, and we have that conversation. It doesn't matter if they're going to give you a 0% loan. If the money doesn't show up on game day, i.e. closing day, it really doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah. Doesn't matter at all. So you're going to pay more in fees and costs and whatnot for not meeting your your financing contingency timeline or missing closing altogether because your earnest money is gone, generally speaking. Mm -hmm. You've already got money in with the inspections, the appraisal, and you're in for a pretty good chunk that you're going to pay just because you wanted to save an eighth of a percent on an interest rate. And so also just talking about communication with an out-of-state lender, and I'm not 
saying a lot of state lenders are, are bad, but obviously I'm local. I like to stay local here mm -hmm. uh, with my people. Is that what happens when you call that person and they don't answer the phone? Mm -hmm. Like, tell me. I mean, because if it's three days before closing, you don't know what your your numbers are or if you've been approved. I mean, you're waiting on some guy from California or insert wherever. If he doesn't answer his phone or respond to an email, you're kind of stuck. Well, how about Whereas, text, which is correct. much easier? I have your cell phone. Yeah, that's yeah, exactly right. See, we, we need cell phones. <laughs> yes. I mean, because we're altering on properties over the weekend. Like and so you have yeah. an online lender with a cheaper rate. I always say, let's look at apples to apples, you know, because a lot of those low rates, they buffer in Correct. their fees uh, that, oh yeah. you know, a, a client wouldn't know when they're looking at it, you right. know, a good faith estimate. We're all borrowing money from the same billionaires out there. It's just how you're communicating your costs, whether you're going to have additional loan costs and lower interest rate or a higher interest rate with no costs at all. It's going to be the same, generally speaking, at the end of the day or very close. Mm -hmm. so, but yes, to your point on taking the cell phone, uh, that's my that's my third wife, if you will. Like, <laughs> yes. got, you know, we've got we've got just some stuff going on at dinner, like and I've got an agent trying to get on the, uh, the phone with me yeah. about, well, OK. Okay, I'm not going to take a call, but I'll at least answer this about whatever. Yes. So yeah, the cell phone stuff, it is cool and it allows the consumers and the real estate agents to be in touch with who's giving them the money uh, so they can ask those good questions so they can be informed again uh, before they put their name on a contract. Well, and look, the ones that came to play, they're answering their cell phones, right? <laughs> mm -hmm. I mean, I won a contra an $800,000 contract from a realtor because I texted her a lender referral at 8.50 p.m. on a Wednesday night and I was awake. So what right. was the big deal to send a quick text and send a referral, right? Mm -hmm. And she was in a hurry and she had a tight deadline. And so I wanted to make sure that I took care of it. Yeah. And so that this is a service industry. We're all here to serve our clients, mm -hmm. right? And add value to what they're doing. And so if we're not, and I'm not saying you're supposed to text somebody at 11.58 p.m. at night. If I'm awake, I'll text you. If I'm asleep, clearly mm -hmm. I'm not. Right. <laughs> right. And Stacy and I have, few, you know, have different hours. So. Uh, yeah, no, a, a client. at least a client, my escrow officer, Jackie and Stacy have the same hours. Oh, yeah, no, I, I'm texting early morning. A client texted me at 1.50 a.m. last night. Ooh. I was up. Ooh. So I respectfully did not reply back but I mean we have to I mean agents to lenders have to be it's a service industry I mean you get those messages hi we'll get back to you on Monday morning at 9 a.m. or it's 6 p.m. on Monday through Friday right. we'll get back to you in the morning I'm like, my head wants to explode. And look, you do have to set on boundaries, you right? Do. Because mm -hmm. everybody deserves work-life balance, Correct. right? So nobody's saying that you have to be all things to all people all of the mm -hmm. time. Right. But there has to be a balance because we are in a sales and a service-driven industry. Mm -hmm. right? And so you have to make personal decisions about how you want to conduct your business. You do have to be careful. I think, you know, agents have to be very careful in this market right now because they do have clients that are on Zillow at two o'clock in the morning looking at properties. Right. And if you respond to them, you're setting that precedent. Absolutely. Right? So boundaries are important. Um, I think there's a balance between the person who says I'm returning phone calls from 11 to one and four to five mm -hmm. okay? yeah. and, and what we do. Right. right. But you, and you can be successful and have something in the middle. Um, right. But, but again, this is a service industry and we all have to kind of remember right. where, 
you know, where where our dinner comes from. Yeah, <laughs> I, I agree. I, I can tell you there is a high correlation between people that are emailing and texting and calling me in the middle of the night mm -hmm. uh, to somebody that is not very well qualified for the loan. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Poor planning. We've got some stuff going on. We're in the middle of the night figuring stuff out. Like you're more well qualified folks schedule calls and are a little bit more deliberate mm -hmm. about their stuff. Not to say that it doesn't happen, right. but that's kind of a correlation that I've seen over the past five years. Yeah. No. So kind of shifting gears a little bit before we uh, wrap up, I want to talk about uh, kind of what you guys are looking at doing for 2022, because, you know, this is the time where we're all supposed to be goal setting and doing our business plan. I just got my marching orders on my business plan last night. And I'm like, there's like a bunch of pages here <laughs> <laughs> of things I have to think about, but it's all necessary, right? right? Mm -hmm. And so it, it's starting that, that wheels turning about, what do I want my business to look like next year? What do I want my life to look like next year? There's no indications that our market isn't going to be the same right. here. And so uh, how are you guys, I'm not saying reinventing because I don't think that's the right word, definitely not the right word that's too aggressive, but what changes or, or things are you gonna take on in your business next year to continue to evolve? Any thoughts? You want to lead on that? Or? So I'm personally hiring, hiring more agents. I have a team of 12 right now. I need more agents on the ground. Um, I'm also hiring a third admin. All my admins are realtors in themselves, um, just so they're knowledgeable and there's no lawsuits coming down on us. So Make every, note, everybody. Yeah. Stacy's <laughs> looking for agents and admin staff. So if you're if you're needing some help in your real estate business, it might be a good idea to reach out to Stacy and see if you can join her team. So I'm ramping up and getting more agents. I've already hired a third admin um, to take over our marketing division. Mm -hmm. um, social media, video, podcasts, um, a lot of our buyers are now millennials, so, you know, they're on the social, you know, aspect. Um, so I'm doing that, and of course, you know, we're getting back together, you know, and creating our education in person mm -hmm. with our team and everything, because you always have to keep on educating. The market shifts constantly, so I have to kind of update my team of what's going on. Yeah, that's fair, and that's actually part of what we're doing uh, for 2022. And personal opinion, but us as a species, the reason that we're at the top of the food chain is because we have the best balance of intelligence, i.e. education, and then also just with our ability to have physical strength. So what we're looking at doing, what I'm doing at wrapping up this year, getting back in the gym, getting out and running and be more deliberate about it. So what you were talking about before with the work-life balance, like you wake up at seven o'clock in the morning, immediately on email, and you just don't find you know time for yourself. And that rolls over into the work environment. Well, a healthy brain and a healthy body is going to go a long way uh, in the workspace. It's going to keep you in the workforce longer and overall it's just better for you in general so those are two things that our team and myself individually are focusing more on self-education and then also physical fitness and becoming just a better whole person and then last but not least we are also increasing our team as well just I like to be able to sit and talk and have these conversations, but if you're the one-man band, you're trying to you know, talk to 15, 20 people a day or however many applicants that you have, 
you start having some reduction in what your quality conversations are. And so by having a longer bench, which is what you're talking about doing as well, that are qualified folks like real estate agents or in my uh, business loan officers, they can talk interest rate, they can talk loan programs, and they don't have to you know, have five, 10 minute calls and they've got to move on to the next one. And so that's what I think has made our team pretty good is just having that person to person interaction, being able to have those delivered conversations. So by basically having a more robust team, we'll be able to get back to some of the basics that we were doing a little bit better previously before all this uh, business started coming. Yeah, because so. I look for someone with core values mm. versus skills because right. you can teach skills. Mm -hmm. You can't teach someone the core values that I instill with the people I hire in my group. Right. Well, and you guys are are kind of unique and you're you're very unique in your approach because mm -hmm. they are family to you correct and so when they come on board with your team mm -hmm. they are it has to be the perfect person perfect yes. personality mm -hmm. we have a lot of diverse personalities but we know what we need to be out to the public eye right and it's representing the brand mm -hmm. well and there's only one of you mm -hmm. and you can only do so much Right. Mm -hmm. And so you have to be able to offload or delegate or whatever you want to call it. But it's it's and, and you have to be careful with the relationships that you have. Right. Mm -hmm. But you can't manage all of your relationships. That's why you develop a team, someone that can help you keep those relationships going, but also is a perfect extension or the best extension of you that there can be. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. And it works both ways, too, for the team member. I mean, we're talking about, at least uh, for myself here, it sounds like, oh, John, you're building yourself up. Well, we're also bringing all the folks with us. So as a new loan officer, a new real estate agent, you're coming to the market cold. You don't have a whole lot of understanding of what you're doing, just like any job. It doesn't matter if you're an agent or loan officer or insert whatever career you feel. It's your first year. You don't know what you don't know. You need to have that education, which is what's going to be brought by the team lead. And you're also going to be getting some deals because the team lead, who has been in there for X amount of years, has got the referrals. You as the new agent, new loan officer, don't have anything. So it's great to start out in a team so you can get the education, so you can also start putting some food on the table because you're getting these deals. You might not be getting the full commission or the full pay on it, but guess what? Something is better than nothing, which is what you probably would have had as an individual agent or an individual loan officer. Well, but out. let's keep in mind you're not you're also not paying for marketing and it's not your name yeah. and you're not paying the you know the brokers you know the broker right. directly and there's all of these fees that go in and, and that's the really kind of the hard part about what consumers see as far as commission is concerned. Mm -hmm. Because they think Oh, you're getting fifteen thousand dollars. No, you're not. No. Getting 15, you're not right. getting fifteen thousand dollars or twenty thousand dollars. to the broker, the team lead, to Uncle yeah. Sam. Yeah. You know, and the agents on the team don't carry any of this responsibility, or the the loan officers. It's right. you that's carrying that responsibility. Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. well, uh, we're gonna wrap up here today. Stacy, John, thank you so much for joining me today. It's always a pleasure to get to spend time with you. I hope you guys enjoyed our latest podcast. Make sure that you go onto our YouTube uh, channel and all of our social media channels. Like, subscribe, share, and just watch because we're going to continue our podcast with all things real estate related. I'm Tamara Gady and I hope you have a great day.